Hello. Thank you for tuning in to Growing Tech Fast, the condensed org 3D podcast in which conversations about growing startups are had with those who have grown them. I'm Sebastian Ellis, and today I'm delighted to introduce Michelle Trico, CEO and co-founder of Airbyte. Michelle, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast. Hi, Seb. Yeah, it's a pleasure to be here as well. Thank you. Yeah, it's great to have you on. Um, so, Michelle, for the benefit of our listeners, obviously, I've given you a uh, the briefest of introductions there, but could you tell us a little bit about yourself, who you are, and what your role is over at Airbyte? Yeah, so I am, yeah, as Seb said, I'm the, the CEO and co-founder of Airbyte, and I've been working in the in the data space since I started my, my career in 2007. Uh, I moved into the US 2011, uh, joined back into the small startup, now it's a public company. And over there, I really built the integration infrastructure that is powering the live run product where we build thousands of different uh, connectors and data integration pipes. And we were moving about like over a thousand, uh, sorry, a hundred terabyte of data uh, every day. And that's a problem that is common in every single company. Every single data team is building a data connector. And what we say about what we want is to commoditize that problem and make sure that anyone who has data somewhere is able to take it, whether it's an API database, uh, files, and make that data available in the system of their choice. And uh, so that's how we started Airbyte. Okay, great. Um, um, which period of your career history was it where you uh, came up with the idea? And sort of how long did it take you to uh, eventually kind of start up Airbyte itself? So I've been, so I mean, I've been solving that problem specifically for companies. Uh, and it's just, in 2019, so in 2017, I joined another startup after after LiveRamp, and I was doing building the same kind of system, like a data uh, a data infrastructure, like where you need to pull data. This one was not marketing or user data; it was more like map data and uh, autonomous vehicle data. But conceptually, it's the same thing. It's you, you need to build a connector, you need to bring the data in the right place, and mid-2019, I actually uh, left RideOS and started to really think about a few ideas for, for startups. And this one was, of course, one of my core expertise. And with John, uh, my co-founder, we started to brainstorm, like, how can we approach the problem? What kind of product and what kind of uh, project we can build on top of it? And in 2020, um, the first quarter of 2020, we actually went through YC uh, and started to build an, a first version of the product. So it was not really what Airbyte is today, it was very geared to our marketing data. And when COVID happened, like marketing data got frozen and we had to really reinvent ourselves in like going back to like the initial idea of the project, which is solving data integration. And in July, we went uh, full, uh, full throttle on what Airbyte is today. Um, but that's an idea that have been in my mind for quite a while. Uh, yeah, cool. Um, and obviously, 
during this sort of past year, um, I guess it's been quite a busy period for everyone. Um, and like you say, you sort of mentioned that um, you've gone through this particular pivot. How has it been since you've gone through that pivot? Um, you know, what have been some of the key successes that have come out of that pivoting? And obviously the flip side um, to go to it as well, what have been some of the key challenges for yourself and um, for your colleagues over at Airbyte? Yeah, so ultimately like doing a pivot is really, really hard. It's a hard decision because you're not alone making that decision. You also have a, a team, you're working with a team, you're working with investors and you need to really communicate well on why it's necessary to make the, the company successful. Because if we had continued down a path that we were feeling was not going anywhere, that would not have been a success. Uh, and now what by switching to this other idea we actually very quickly saw some very very good traction uh, so you know we started working and implementing airbyte end of july we released an mvp end of september and over the first months we started to have like a huge adoption like community was growing and we didn't do any like hard launch or anything it was just like talking about it on uh, on hacker news on uh, on linkedin and suddenly like people started to use airbyte and back in the day we only had like six connectors only supporting for refresh so very very bare bone mvp and yeah and and since then we keep having more people like joining us like giving us feedback about the product and we continue to 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 make the product better and yeah in terms of i mean I think we're on 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 our path to building a very successful uh, company. It's still the beginning of the journey, but yeah, just over the past six months, we have like twelve hundred company who've been uh, using Airbyte to replicate data. So, pretty uh, pretty good start for for being a successful mm-hmm. company. <laughs> sure, and um, yeah, how, how's that trajectory been? So, obviously, you said about twelve hundred. Uh, so far has that been like a bit of a gradual um, sort of growth or have you did you just sort of walk into the office one day and um, all of a sudden there was like 1200 people kind of using the platform how did that work yeah no it, it, it was great it's gradual so we saw over the first months where we had like I forget how many it was if it was 200 maybe a little bit less people using it over one month although it's an MVP and then as the, the months grow and like today every single week is better than every other week that we had before. So that's uh, it's just continued, continuing to grow and growing faster and faster every week. I, don't, yeah, I, hope, yeah. it won't, I hope it won't stop. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. How does that add to, um, well, does that add any more pressures to you, um, you know, as a business? Obviously, the more kind of users and um, people that you get actually using the platform, um, yeah, do, does that add any pressures to yourself? Yeah, so... It does in a sense that we, I mean, it has a pressure more in terms of like the quality that we need to deliver because, you know, what the, the real problem with data integration is the, te- the thousands per packet that are behind every single connector. Like everybody has a different use case. Everybody has a different infrastructure and you will discover this. So there will be 10 users for which it works and you will have five for which the connector doesn't work. And at that point, you get more feedback about it, but that's good because that's what we want to have. 
Um, but it means we need to put a lot of effort in making sure that we're building very reliable co connectors and that every time there is something that breaks for one user, we actually fix it. And now we encode that problem into the connector. Uh, we have people using us in production. So we need to make sure that when we upgrade from version to version, we have like a path for, for upgrade so that they get access to the latest feature. And it's just, yeah, we get more fit, like more demand for, for feature to make the, 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 the project more full-fledged at that mm -hmm. point. So at that point, yes, we need to make sure we prioritize this feature request the right way. We're also involving the community a lot in all the decisions that we're making. We, the community is also helping us on, uh, on building new connectors. I think today we have above uh, like around 70 connectors and 20% of them has been built by the, by the community. So we're kind of sharing a bit of, the, of, the, of this pressure uh, with some, uh, some our community members. Okay, cool. And um, I guess from a more sort of like business aspect as well, um, what's the growth of the company been like to date? Obviously, uh, was it you and a co-founder um, who started the business? Was it just yourself? And sort of how have you, how have you seen uh, the business grown personnel-wise in that time? Yeah, so when we started for one month, it was just, I mean, if we don't consider the, the six months before that where we are brainstorming and talking to people, uh, like early 2020, it was just John and I. After one month, we actually uh, had two of my former uh, colleagues from LiveRamp that also joined uh, the adventure. A month later, another one. Um, so we've been three, like five people until uh, I think October. And in October, hired someone else. And now we're starting to, to ramp up the, the hiring. It's very, very engineering heavy, but also mm -hmm. because 2021 is very much about the community and making sure we gather all that feedback we get from the community. We also, also just recently hired our first uh, DevRel person. Okay, cool. And um, is it, again, uh, you know, from a business perspective, is there a particular... I guess like push point or moment, you know, where as a business you go, right, okay, you know, we need from a developer standpoint, we need five more developers now, you know, for this particular part of the product, you know, and yeah, what, what would that look like? Yeah, it, it was it was really in December because you know we, we are seeing all this traction and as you're saying, we were getting a lot of pressure on like delivering something of very, very high quality and more connectors. And at that point, we started to plan, okay, what, what do we, what is our North Star for Airbyte is, and our North Star, it, it just works. Whether you're mm -hmm. on a workstation, whether it's on a server, whether it's on Kubernetes. And at that point, you just, uh, you just go backward and try to see, okay, what are all the projects that we need to tackle? What are all the problems that we need to tackle before we can get to a state where it just works? And yeah, and from there, we start planning on how many people do we need? Uh, and today we have objectives of uh, hiring two to three engineers every quarter and also ramping up the team uh, that is helping us build and maintain uh, connectors. So uh, yeah, we'll be, we'll have, and also now we have the capital. We raised the seed with, uh, with Axel so we can actually uh, grow the team and, uh, and serve the community uh, better. Mm -hmm. But it all boils down to it just works. And yep. what do we need to do to make it work? 
Okay, great. And um, I guess, you know, for, for your uh, employees and stuff, you know, you really kind of ramped up during the COVID pandemic. Were you, I'm a, I might be assuming wrong, but have you been working remotely sort of during all that time? Um, you know, and if so, was that always the intention to be maybe a remote first business? Um, so pandemic notwithstanding and how, how, how does, how has that worked for yourselves? Yeah. So before COVID, so during January to, uh, to March, we're actually working together in a co-working space. At some point, every single office is in, um, in San Francisco just shut down. So mm-hmm. at that point we went remote and we've been remote since then. The good thing about remote and the fact that we're born remote ultimately is we've established ways of working that is that are remote. Uh, so, and because we're an open source project, we have to be extremely good at remote because we need to make sure that we communicate well with the community uh, developers. We need to communicate well with the outside. So that is a nice forcing function for us as well. Now, I, I think like the, the, the fact we want to, to stay remote, but what will happen is we will have clusters of people in different cities and we already have that in, uh, in, uh, in San Francisco. We might have that in Paris. We might have that in London and, or in Singapore. And at that point, I think we will have the, the, the possibility to have like offices where people can see each other in person and work together. But as the company is working today, remote has been serving us very well. Mm-hmm. Sure. And um, I guess, you know, when it comes to your hiring as well, is there, with, with the traits that you look for in, you know, sort of future colleagues, is there any kind of like particular differences that you might consider, you know, um, if you were taking on a remote worker compared to someone that was in office? Is there kind of like particular profile there that, you know, sort of works a little bit better for someone who works more remotely? Yeah. So first of all, you need to make sure that we need, to, we need to be picky. We need to make sure that people are comfortable being remote because right now we're remote and there is no co-working space or, or anything like that. Uh, now, the, the other thing is, and I think that's one place where COVID might have uh, hit some uh, category of people, like junior profile. I think remote work is very hard for them because that's their first experience on the on a job and uh, they need to be coached they they don't know what they don't know and i think that makes it very very hard for them to work in a remote environment at least today i think once people get more and more used we know exactly how to mentor junior people remotely that might work today we focus a lot on people who have already worked uh, for at least three or four years so that they already have some me- internal mechanism on how they communicate with their with their peers and, and colleagues. Um, so that I would say that's the two criteria we're looking for. Also, we're looking for a little bit of uh, adaptability on the time zone because right now in, we have time zone in APAC, we have time zone in India, we have time zone in, uh, in Europe, we have time zone in the US. So we also try to make sure that people can see each other. So looking for a little bit of flexibility, not every day, but at least once a week or, or once a month. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. And um, yeah, I guess, you know, in, in terms of some of those earlier hires as well, um, you know, how important have those been to the kind of overall 
guess maybe from like a more of a tech perspective as well, like the overall kind of technical direction um, of Airbyte, you know, how important have those been to your business? Yeah, uh, extremely important. I think when you, you know, we will hire for more junior profile at some point, but today we need to show a lot of velocity and we need to go fast on what we're doing. So we need to be very focused on, on the objective of like delivering a product. At some point, we'll be able to bring in more uh, junior profiles. But And when you start a company, I think you want to surround yourself with people that you already know because you know that you know how they work. You've already worked together. So there is all these little things that you don't have to relearn or you don't have to learn. And we, you can get up and, and uh, up and running very, very quickly. So that's why like the three first people were people that we've already worked with and we're aligned on the objective. We're aligned on the project. We had ways of working that worked well and that allowed us to just move forward. Now we're starting to bring also more people that are outside of our networks to make sure we don't build like a, a clique or anything like that within the team and just bringing more talent that are from from outside of uh, of our of our network mm-hmm. but yeah the first hire is the most critical ones because yeah. they will they will drive so many decisions as a ceo and my found, my co-founder as a ceo we don't have the time to always be uh like thinking about the technical we also need to think about like investors we need to think about customers etc cetera, etc cetera. so Knowing that you're working with people that you can trust is very important. You sleep better. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, cool. And um, yeah, I'm a little bit conscious of time. So I'd like to um, just sort of cover off a couple of quick um, concluding questions, really, um, if obviously we've got the time for it. So, uh, first of all, if you could, what would be a key piece of advice you could give someone else who would be looking to start their own company? in whatever sector that may be. Yeah, I would say don't dive into building the product right away. Try to talk to as many people as possible. We've talked to hundreds of people over the past year. And every time you have an idea, wait 24 hours before doing anything about that idea. Because in 24 hours, I can assure you that 90% of them, you're going to say, oh, that was a terrible idea, just by yourself. And then for the remaining 10%, just try to talk to people. Don't live into your own world. You have to talk to people. And you might want to try to do the thing that has the fastest feedback for you. So whether it's a mock-up, whether it's it's like sitting with someone and just showing them how like the different concept of your product, but you just have to interview people. You have to know exactly what problem you're solving, what is the root cause of the problem you're solving. Um, and yeah, otherwise you would just, you might just be building a, a good to have. And I think as a startup, what you want to build is something that people actually need and that is going to make their life better. Mm-hmm. If you're going to speak to some people about, um, I guess, these ideas, would you recommend anyone in particular, like family or uh, you think more business sense like colleagues? Yeah, I think you, you want to go in every every single direction. The thing is, every time you talk to someone, you will get something out of it. Whether it's your family, whether it's a colleague, whether it's a random person on LinkedIn, you, you need to do it. You will get more perspective. Your family might be 
uh, I, I don't want to be too mean to you and your, and your idea. So you might have like a biased feedback. If it's a colleague, they, will, they might have like a, a similar thing, but also very good insight. But if it's a random person, they have nothing to gain or to lose to give you like brutal feedback. You want to get brutal feedback. You don't want people to be nice to you on your ideas because mm -hmm. you don't want to be wasting years of your life on a project that uh, doesn't help. Cool. Okay, great. And um, yeah, I guess just from your own personal experience, if there's anything at all that you would change, um, would there? Uh, and would you change anything about the past 12 months, 18 months? I mean, you always want to change things. For example, I would have preferred to start on the Airbyte project as it is today, back in January, knowing that it was already something that we had in our mind. Just we went in a more ad, in a, an, an adjacent uh, topic, so that would be something I would change. But at the same time, I don't think we would be where we are today if we mm -hmm. had done that. Maybe we would not have talked to the same person. Maybe the, our fundraising would have happened differently. Maybe some people that joined the team would not have joined. So I think we can always look back in the past and say, "Oh, I would have done that differently." But ultimately, if you look at where you are today. If you're satisfied and you think you're, you're in a good trajectory, just assume that every mistake you've made in the past brought you there. So, <laughs> yeah, um, hindsight's a wonderful thing. Oh, so <laughs> that's great. Okay. Um, well, that was um, really brilliant. No, that's been a great conversation. So, um, I guess uh, to be fair, Michelle, if our listeners want to get involved with the airbike community at all, um, whereabouts can they find you? Where, where they should where should they look? Yeah, so, I mean, you can start with, first, we have our website, uh, airbyte.io. We have our GitHub uh, repository, but also we have our Slack uh, community. So it's slack.airbyte.io. And you can join there. It's a public Slack. That's actually the Slack where every single person from Airbyte is working on. So you can see how we work, what question we ask each other. Uh, so it's very, very public, very open. And you can join and see for yourself. And if you have any problems with Airbyte, you can just ask questions there. Okay, great. Um, all right, well, I guess on that note, um, thank you so much for your time. That was really insightful. And I guess that's all we've got time for, um, you know, on Growing Tech Fast. So thanks for tuning in, everyone. And I hope everyone's enjoyed listening to that conversation. I look forward to uh, seeing you all on the next one as well. So thanks a lot for that, Michelle. Thank you very much, Seb. Thanks.